If my memory serves me well, which doesn't all the time, but if my memory serves me well, it was my junior year at Forest Lake Academy down in Orlando. And uh, at that time, they don't do it anymore, uh, not because of the story, but for other reasons. They don't do it anymore. But at that time, there was what was called a distance learning uh, portion of FLA, right? So you could live in Gainesville, right, two hours away, and you could be a full-fledged student a Forest Lake Academy, you just did everything virtually. Like, this was pre-Zoom. This was pre-pandemic. FLA was <laughs> way ahead of the game there. But if you were a distance learning student, what they would do is everyone, uh, like at least twice a year, they would invite you to campus, right? You'd come to campus. You would meet people. You would see the people who were in your class. Like, we would get to meet them. But then FLA would pay for them to go on this trip. And usually um, it was to the beach because that's, you know, that's what Floridians do. It's the easiest thing. Well, this one day, uh, as the distance learning students were out there uh, at the beach, everybody's having a good time, having a fun time. And the way the story goes is that what ends up happening is a group of students who are in the water, they frantically run back to the shore and they get the sponsor's attention. Mr. 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 Oh my goodness, so-and-so is out there. We think he got caught in a rip current. We can't get to him. He's too far away. And so the sponsor, you know, just clothes on everything, just jumps, runs out into the water, tries his best. But unfortunately, tragedy struck that day. It was terrible for FLA, even worse for the family, of course. No one expects that. No one wants that to happen. And while, you know, we weren't there, the students were at FLA all the time, it was a sobering reminder for, at least for me, of two things. One, that, um, <laughs> that the pull of the ocean is strong, much stronger than me and, 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 and that other person. And number two, that the ocean doesn't really care about you, right? It just does what it does. And in life, I've noticed that um, for me, right, as we think about rip currents and, and the pull of the ocean and the strong pull of the ocean, it, it makes me think, that in our life today, in the world we live in, there is a pull on your life, right? In every direction. Oh my goodness, right? Everything is vying for your attention, for your time, for your money, for your respect, anything, right? You're getting pulled to the left, to the right, up, down, and the pull is strong. And I recognize that, wow, that pull is stronger and bigger than me at times. This morning, we're going to be in the book of Colossians, so please turn with me to the book of Colossians. This morning, uh, I usually read out of the English Standard Version. This morning, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, so if, uh, you know, follow along as best you can. Sometimes the New Living Translation looks a little bit differently than, uh, than everyone else's. Okay, we're going to be in chapter 2, chapter 2 starting there, verse 6, and I'm going to read these two verses here. Chapter 2, verse 6 says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots, which is awesome that we uh, learned about roots today, let your roots grow down into him, 
and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. There's imagery here that points back to a parable that Jesus told, right? Maybe you're recognizing that already as we're reading. Jesus told about, the, you know, there's a group of people, and when they hear the word, sometimes it's like it was just thrown on the ground and, like, nothing will happen there. The birds come and eat it. Then other people, it's thrown into really shallow soil, so they shoot up, and the roots can't go deep, and so when the sun comes, they die. Other people, they're thrown into decent soil, but that soil also gives life to weeds, which will choke out the life of that plant and kill it. But then others are like seed planted in great soil, no weeds, rich in nutrients, and they live and they grow and their roots go down deep. There is imagery here, as we read in Colossians chapter 2, to that parable, namely the two people, the seeds that go in the shallow, right? And they don't have a lot of time to get the roots down deep and die, and also those who go up to the weeds. You see the context of what's going on as Paul is writing this letter to this church is that he's, he's essentially saying like, hey, you guys are doing all right. You're doing okay. However, I have heard that there are people who are kind of coming in and teaching things that are a little weird. And it's, it's people on both sides. So Paul is warning them warning them, do not be like these people, right? There are some who come in and they, they're the people who are, we'll call them, say, ultra-conservative, and they say, well, you need to do this and this and this and this and this to make sure that God and Jesus will look favorably upon you. And then on the other end of the spectrum, he's warning against, well, don't, don't swing the pendulum too far and say that God's not asking anything of you. He is. Be careful. Don't be like these people who don't have time to, who don't have the roots too deep, or who allow people to choke the life out of you. You see, words, Paul says you must accept Jesus, right? So let's look at six again. Now, just as you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Accepting Jesus' words, and that's great, right? And we like that. This is a key step in moving into a loving and saving relationship, relationship with Jesus is your words, right? Saying, Jesus, I accept you. I love you. Then your actions need to follow, right? Actions. I will choose to follow you every single day, right? He's saying, now you've accepted. You've done that first thing. Now you must follow. You have put up the words. Now we must go with our actions. And it says that you will have faith in the truth, right? That's amazing. And so like me, I'm always like, okay, cool. What is the truth? So let's go a page backwards, right? We'll go back one page, at least in this Bible. And it says in verse 19 of chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 19, and this is part of a larger thought, but we're just going to pick it up right here. It says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, 
who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single thought. Wow. Amen, right? The world was lost. We've been talking a lot about this, the gospel. What is the good news? That sounds like great news to me. Though we were lost, he has reconciled all things to himself, and he has made you blameless in his sight. Amen. And it says that if, right, so going back to chapter 2, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, the truth that in God's eyes, as you follow him, he has reconciled you to himself. In his eyes, you are made blameless. What will the result be? Thankfulness, right? Thankfulness. I don't know if you've ever been, you know, if you've ever believed something or believed someone or a group or something like that, and you realize later that, oh my word, that was a mistake, <laughs> right? I believed wrong. I was taught wrong. They lied to me. And you look back later at that situation, at that group, at that person, and you say, I am thankful. I don't believe that anymore, right? As we grow in our faith, Paul is saying, you will look back with thankfulness. Thank you, God, I don't believe those things, those lies I used to believe about me. The deeper you grow with Jesus, the more you can confidently dispel toxic, religious, and or worldly practices. When we look back, we can say, wow, thank you, God, I don't believe those things I used to believe anymore. Now with you, as I've grown deeper, my roots have gone into the soil, I believe the truth now. Thank you, God. Let's move on. Verse 8 says this in response, right? So keeping this in mind, right, you have now been shown the truth. We believe the truth. The roots are growing. In response, verse 8 goes on to say this, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Have you ever met someone who waxes so eloquently, who speaks so well, who says nice big words that you don't understand, but they sound right, and you say, wow, tell me more, right? We get sucked into it. It's, it's uh, you ever heard of like the multi-level marketing schemes, right? Like that's their MO, right? I'm going to tell you all these crazy things, but at the end of the day, what I'm asking you for is your money. So, but we fall for it, right? And it seems good. Paul is saying, hey, those same people, that same evil spirit is out there, and it sounds right, and it sounds good, and it is trying to choke the life out of you. You don't even know. 
Paul? <laughs> Paul is begging, right? He's saying, listen, there are people who will lie to your face and it'll look like truth. We have those people today, right? They're not gone, right? I, <laughs> we may call them politicians today, right? They act well, uh, they wax eloquently, they speak well, they say a lot of stuff that sounds real, real good, and at the end of the day, what happened, right? Nothing. Sometimes we call them politicians. Sometimes, God help us, we call them pastor, right? I'm not trying to expose myself, I'm just saying, (laughs) right? I'm just saying that it happens. Think of what we, we, we kind of have this like term for it now called church hurt, right? The church, a lot of people I know, right? I talked about FLA a little bit in the beginning. A lot of people I know who I went to school with from kindergarten are gone in the church. They're not here. Where'd they go? You talk to them, some of them will still talk to, you know, us, and they what happened? It's like the church hurt me. I believed something that wasn't true. I was told either, and and, and we like to think that it's, and it usually is, but we like to think that it's only, right, the, oh, I was super conservative, and that's why I left, because they were lying to me. And a lot of times, the legalism is a lie. It is a lie, right? Like, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need, and, and, and then they go. But the opposite is also true. They're given a shallow, they're given a shallow God. And when that shallow God doesn't show up the way they think he will show up, church hurt happens. And where do they go, right? Paul is begging the people of this church, saying, I need you to wake up. There are people who will lead you astray. I brought up politics, so I'm just going to go with it, right? (laughs) In today's society, right, Paul here is talking about philosophy. There are philosophies. Uh, Let me read it again. Philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and spiritual power, right? We live in America, so I'm just going to go with the U.S. politics, but it's all over the world. But we live here, so I'm going to make it relevant for here. Politics isn't just something we think about anymore when election time comes, when it's time to elect a new mayor or a congressperson or a president. It's something now that we could, we don't really have philosophers walking around anymore, right? We have like political ideologies and the things that come out of that, the movers and shakers who, who move thought here in the United States. It's not just a thing we do on the side to govern our nation. It's become a way of life, right? Would you agree with me? It's kind of a lifestyle choice that you choose now. And it kind of dictates who you will be and what you will think. If you don't believe me, just go walk around. You can usually sense, especially in the craziness that was the last two years, mask, no mask. We already know who I'm talking about, right? Vax, no vax. Red hat, no red hat. It goes on and on. You look at people, the way they act, the way they talk, the music they listen to. And we say, listen, man, they... They're really wrapped up in this thing. We say everything is political now. Well, it's because everything is kind of, it's become this weird amalgamation of of philosophical thought and lifestyle choice. They shape 
who we are, even if we don't think that they do. And our political parties, our philosophies, then have the audacity, especially in the Christian realm, they have the audacity to tell us that their party is God's party. You'll hear things like, and I've literally heard this word for it, you cannot be a Christian and be a Democrat. On the flip side, I have heard this as well. You cannot read the Bible and come out of that reading a Republican. I've heard these. I'm not just making this stuff up. People say these things with confidence. What are you doing, right? Like, what are we really talking about? Paul is calling us to remember the truth, the truth, and flee from anything that is not true. I'm going to read verse 9 and 10 again. For in Christ, for, uh, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Verse 10, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You are made complete in Jesus only, right? You are complete in Jesus only. Only. It says, right, he, you stand before him without a single thought. You are beautiful. You are perfect in him alone. And anything that people try to add ends up a lie. Conservative, liberal, at some point you're going to bump into a lie. It's usually true to a point, and then boom, you run into a lie, and they'll, you're kind of caught, right? It ends up a lie. This church that Paul is writing to is a response to that spirit in this city. Paul is saying there are people who've moved in who are telling you that you need to be circumcised, that you need to do this, that you need to do that. You need to check off the list before God will even take a look at you. On the flip side, Paul, the, the, this church is dealing with something they call Gnosticism, and Gnosticism has... Man, like it just goes deep. Like you can be, it's, it's, it's like the roots, right? But bad roots, right? And it just goes and goes and goes to the point where people would basically be saying, you don't need to worry about a thing. Just do what you want, right? We've heard these things before. They're not gone. They're just different, right? Now they have cell phones. It's the same, right? And Paul is pleading with this church, don't fall into the trap. And as a pastor, there are not many political hills I will die on, right? We discourage that, uh, and I agree with that. But this is a hill I will die on. Uh, I believe that if, if you believe that your political party is a representation of your faith, then you are the one that Paul is pleading with in this letter. He's calling out to you. He's begging with you. Any political, this is the hill I'll die on too. Any political party that does not submit to the authority and supremacy of Jesus' sacrifice is calling you to either do more or do less than Jesus is. And that's the lie Paul warns against. And you see, well, you're t <laughs> some people will say, well, no, but the right is right. And the left, no, they're right. And I would say that the reality is that the right would hate Jesus for everything he says about, you know, people of other nations, 
his practice of social justice where he was. And the left would hate Jesus for his talk of, of submitting to authority and to listen, like just the law, the biblical law, his upholding of the law. No matter who you are, where you stand, your party would hate him because we live in a broken and imperfect world. I was telling Raquel as I was preparing for this, I said, yeah, I expect to get an email or two. And so I'm just going to move on. I'm going to move on. We're going to go over here to chapter three. I'm going to leave that with you, right? Dwell on it, chew on it, think about it. And we're going to move over to chapter three. Chapter three, which uh, TJ read for us. Thank you, TJ. Verse one, chapter three, verse one, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, right? Because that's the truth. That's the truth he was talking about. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. I'm going to go back to uh, I'm going to go back to rip currents, rip tides out uh, out on the coast. You know, growing up in Orlando, our beach was New Smyrna Beach, and if you sit on if you sit on the church board, you've heard this illustration already, so you get it twice. But <laughs> I think it's still true. Uh, it's still relevant. When growing up, our beach of choice in Orlando was New Smyrna Beach right? It's about an hour from Orlando. There's two things you should know about New Smyrna. Number one is that it's the shark bite capital of the world. I've never seen a shark. I think that's misinformation from Cocoa Beach trying to take people away. (laughs) The second thing you should know is that uh, the rip currents in New Smyrna are especially strong. In fact, that's where FLA went. Um, I don't know why people go to New Smyrna. The more I tell this story, I'm like, oh, that's kind of dangerous. Anyway, um, my dad, he had this thing, and I didn't always get it. I thought it was kind of corny. He would buy, like, the brightest umbrella you could find. Like, you see it from space, right? And he would say, he would plant that there, and he would say, hey, Ben, my sister Tiffany, Tiffany, you guys go have fun, but I need you to do one thing for me, right? Every two three minutes, I need you to disassociate for a second what you're doing and look back to shore and find our glow-in-the-dark umbrella, okay? I need you to see, I need you to find it, I need you to see it, because what you'll notice, and he was right, you'll be playing, you'll be having a good time, and I'm in line with the umbrella, but three minutes later, I was over here. I didn't even realize that it was happening, Right? I was over here, and I noticed I was farther out. But as long as it's what he told me, and it was true, as long as every once in a while I picked up my head and looked back and noticed that I had drifted a bit, I could just wade on over back in line with the umbrella, and I would be safe all day. Ben, I need you to look and find the umbrella. Focus on the umbrella. Yeah, you're having a good time here, but every once in a while, pick up your head and look. If you're not getting where I'm going with this so far, right, 
I heard uh, uh, someone say this one time, just recently actually, and it blew my mind. And I, she wasn't even talking about it in this context, but I thought of this verse immediately that says, the only thing you have to do to drift is nothing. It'll do it for you, right? The only thing you have to do to drift, are you hearing me, is nothing, right? As I'm playing with my sister, with my friends, whoever, we're having a good time. We're throwing the football around. We're throwing the, you know, the balls that skip through the water. We're splashing each other. We're having a good time. I'm focused right here, doing my thing here. All the while, the ocean is pulling me out. As we live in this world, as we interact with this world, we're going to come across things. Sure, political parties, we could do that. We're going to come across things that seem good in our mind. We'll say, man, like, there is a homeless epidemic here in Gainesville. We need to do something about this. And we work towards it, and we try to feed them, and we're, we're just grinding every single day all of our thought and, and everything we do, things that seem noble, that seem right. We're just focused here. But the verse is saying, well, I'll just read it so you don't think I'm lying, right? Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I am not saying in any way, shape, or form a homeless ministry, a food distribution ministry, uh, I mean, what I do, what, what the elders do, what the deacons do. Focusing on a ministry is not, what I, is not the problem. It's not what I'm saying. To be honest with you, getting involved in politics isn't going to send you to the ends of the age. Like, it's not going to, that's not inherently a bad thing. That we, we like to think that, oh, if it says the world, it's inherently wrong, right? Like, not always. When you focus only on those things, you don't realize it, but you are being pulled out to sea. The only thing you have to do to drift is nothing. It will do it for you. Sometimes we call that burnout, right? People who have been so involved, I'll go back to the ministry thing, people who have been so involved in a ministry, so involved in a church, so involved with something that was good, and they focused here, and they focused here, and they focused here, and they didn't realize that they were being pulled out because they forgot what Paul is asking them to do. Set your sights on the things of heaven. Look back to Jesus. Jesus is that big, bright, glow-in-the-dark umbrella. You need to find him. You need to find him amidst all of this stuff. If you are focused here and here only, you will be lost. You'll be pulled out. But if you work in this world, right, the only way, and, I, and I'm, now I'm going to switch to like an evangelist model, right, the only way as a church that we can impact this world <laughs> is to go out there, right? We need to find them and invite them in, right? And so it's not a bad thing to be focused here every once in a while. But you need to remember that the realities of heaven, where Jesus sits at the throne, is where we need to look and reorient ourselves daily. That's where the following happens, right? 
Yeah, you've accepted Christ and now you're really involved. Now follow him or he'll get pulled out. The only thing you have to do to drift is nothing. I've been struck too recently by something that a chaplain at Southern used to say all the time. She would say, you can only serve out of a full cup, right? If I have an empty cup and I go to give you some water that's in there, if I have nothing, I can't give you anything, right? But if I have a full cup, I can pour that into you. And when I refocus, when I focus on the things of heaven, when I get pointed back to Jesus, that cup is now filled again. I can pour it into somebody else. And I come back to Jesus and he fills it. And I pour it into somebody else. And I bring it back to Jesus and he fills it. And I pour it into somebody else. This is what it's all about. We need to find people where they're at, right? We need to call them to something greater. We need to reveal to them the truth. The truth that, listen, Jesus has reconciled all things to himself, even you. And man, do I have a place where you can be and feel safe? I want to bring you here. But as you're focused here, look back towards, quote unquote, the umbrella. Look back towards Jesus. Get your cup filled through Jesus and the Holy Spirit because if your cup runs dry, if the current pulls you away, it may be too late. I'm going to read verse 4. It says this, chapter 3, verse 4. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. At the end of the day, you're doing good things. You're here, you're focused, you want to help people. You're here, you're focused, you're working with your family. You're leading your family. You're ministering to your family. At the end of the day, what does it say? That it's all His glory. It's not ours. We have this, it's like a church saying, oh, it's by His power alone. And we say it flippantly, but it's true, right? It's a true reminder that, man, it's only Jesus. At the end of the day, when the clouds burst open and He comes, it's not going to be like, man, thanks, thank you to Ben, because he made this possible, not even close, not even a little bit. It's going to be, wow, yeah, sure, we went to church. Somebody here from the Gainesville SDA invited me to church, and I was saved. But when Jesus comes, the glory is his and his alone. That's the only way that we can make a positive impact on this planet by recognizing that, man, I need to point myself, I need to reorient myself back to Jesus. I need to go to him to get my cup filled. By focusing on Jesus, by pointing people back to Jesus, right? When we were with friends and my dad didn't talk to them, we were out there, I'd be like, hey, go just make sure that you're looking at the umbrella, right? Like, by pointing people to Jesus, is the only way. By thinking of heaven and Christ on his throne, will we make a positive impact for this world? Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much for this morning, uh, now the afternoon. Lord, thank you for the rain. Yeah, we make jokes, but water brings life and, and cleanses us. And God, I just 
those, um, that imagery doesn't fall short on me. I don't want to take that for granted. God, please be with our church. Be with my friends and my family here. God, be with Gainesville. Be with Florida. Um, God, I, I ask for forgiveness for the times when I've taken my eyes off of you and have begun to drift. God, thank you for shining bright that when I lift my head, I can see you and I can make my way back towards you. God, I pray for everyone here who may be feeling the signs of drift. God, the signs of, of, of an empty cup. Lord, I ask that, that you would shine brightest for them right now, God, as they say, man, I need to, I need to reorient myself and I need to focus on Jesus God, for those who are, tr- are serving out of an empty cup, I pray that you would fill them. God, that you would put them in a, p- a place, a position that would allow them to be filled. God, in all ways we submit to you in everything we do, everything we say, everything we do, and how we act. Lord, may it be uh, in following of you and your son Jesus. In your name, amen.